0: Story of Psychology, based on the work of Dr. C. George Boray, with your host, Professor Tan. Part One The Ancients A Brief History of Judaism. Palestine. Was a fertile area, warm and watered by the Mediterranean rains, a most desirable location. It lay between the sophisticated societies of Egypt and Mesopotamia, making it an ideal location for trade and, of course, for war. Now, Palestine is the name that the Romans gave to this region, and it comes from their name for the Philistines, the people who occupied the coastland. They were the sea people and they may have been ancient Greeks from Crete or from Cyprus. The earliest name for Palestine was Canaan, and today most of us would call it Israel. Tradition has it that the Hebrews came with their father Abraham from Ur in Mesopotamia around 2000 BC. Along with Abraham's El Shaddai, literally the god of the mountain, it's more likely, however, that they were natives to the area, just to the east, and conquered their closest relatives, the Canaanites, to establish their historical domain. The Hebrews, the Canaanites, the Phoenicians were all ethnically the same people. Their languages were merely dialects of each other, and they shared in the use of the first alphabet. Constant warfare with these neighboring peoples apparently resulted in a large number of Hebrews being enslaved by the Egyptians, which sets the stage for the singular event of Jewish history, the Exodus. Our central human character in the story of the Exodus is Moses. Moses was possibly an Egyptian, but he assisted the captive Hebrew population in their hour of need. He quite possibly was the one who introduced Egyptian cleanliness laws during a time of plague, which would have helped to preserve the Hebrew people and protect them from death. Around 1300 BC, Moses led the captive Hebrew population out of Egypt and back to Palestine, where they would be of enormous influence on their settled brethren. The Hebrews organized themselves into 12 tribes with warrior-priest chieftains, referred to in the Bible as judges. Intertribal warfare led them to seek a monarch, similar to the ones that they had observed in Egypt and Mesopotamia. At about 1010 BC, they found that monarch in a ruthless warlord named Saul. After only four years, Saul's kingdom was taken over by by David. After defeating the Philistines, the sea people, possibly the early Greeks, who had settled along the coastline, David established Jerusalem as his capital, and that became known as the City of David. In 966 BC, David was succeeded by Solomon. Under Solomon's rule, the Hebrews became rich investing in the trade between Phoenicia and Egypt, as well as in sea routes to Arabia and East Africa. Solomon had a temple built in Jerusalem to contain the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a gold-covered wooden box that presumably contained the tablets of the law that Moses had received from God himself at Mount Sinai, along with manna that the Hebrews had subsisted on during their wanderings in the desert in the Sinai, and a staff that was carried by Aaron, the brother of Moses, a staff that was said to have blossomed as a miracle of God. This Ark of the Covenant was the most sacred symbol of Yahweh, and it was believed to give power to the Hebrews over their enemies. Although the descendants of the Hebrews would become known for their monotheism, the early Hebrews were, in fact, polytheistic, even animistic. They believed in spirits, and, as pastoralists, they were particularly devoted to the cults of the bull, the sheep, the goat, and so forth. Animal sacrifice was the tradition, and it was carried out mostly at local altars and at wilderness sites. Now, many of the stories that we know about the Hebrews and Moses come to us through the book of Genesis. Genesis contains the common myths of the region and many other regions as well, such as a creation story, the fall of man, a worldwide flood, and so forth. Very similar and sometimes competing stories like these existed among all of the people throughout this region. The divine figure Yahweh, possibly the Canaanite god Yehu or Yah, became the national god of the Hebrews. With Solomon in the temple, Yahweh was made into the greatest god of all. He retained, as the Bible demonstrates profusely, very human characteristics jealousy, regret, anger, love of the scent of burnt offerings, and even an openness to negotiation or changing his mind. Now, early beliefs of the Hebrews did not involve the concept of hell as we know it now. There was instead Sheol, a land of darkness beneath the ground. Like the Hades of the Greeks or the Hell of the Germans, Sheol was home to nearly everyone who died, not just those who died sinful. Sheol was unpleasant, but it was not a place of eternal torture. Only a very few righteous people died and went to heaven to live with the gods. The Hebrew religion revolved around laws. Many, many laws. The most well-known of these laws are codified as the Ten Commandments. However, in all of Hebrew teaching, there were 613 commandments, each of which were important to follow. Sin could be lifted by means of prayer and sacrifice. Uncleanliness, such as menstruation and childbirth, would be cleansed by ritual purification, and all of these controlled by the priestly caste. Beyond the 613 commandments, the laws of Moses regulated all of life for the Hebrews, including diet, Hygiene, medicine, and even sexuality. After King Solomon, the son of David, the condition of the Hebrew tribes began to deteriorate. Rich and poor classes developed, and the caste of the priests, who were the descendants of Levi, became increasingly powerful. Solomon's kingdom split into Israel in the north and Judah in the south. In 722 BC, Sargon II, the Assyrian emperor, overwhelmed the entire area. The Assyrians were a particularly brutal group, and the Hebrews, like others, suffered greatly. In the area of their overlordship of Palestine, a number of religious fanatics became influential among the Hebrews. They were also disdainful of the rich and the priests and they preached that the downfall of the Hebrews was due to their own sinfulness. These preachers were, of course, the prophets of the Bible. Hosea, Amos, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all preaching in the 800s BC. And they introduced an idea borrowed from the larger cultures around them. A Messiah, born to a young virgin would be sent by God. He would rise up and rescue sinful Israel from the consequence of their oppression, from their sinful neglect of God. This Messiah would save his people from their sins. And in the Greek translations of the Bible, Mashiach would be translated as Christos, the Anointed One. Josiah ruled the area from 639 to 609 BC. King Josiah and his priests saw the need for a codification of Hebrew traditions to provide solidarity among the people. In 622 BC, they discovered or possibly created a scroll presumably written by Moses. They called this scroll the Book of the Covenant or the Law. It was probably much of Deuteronomy, as well as parts of Exodus. The scroll was read out loud over two days and proved to be quite a hit. With that support, King Josiah went on to destroy the idols to the other gods in Palestine. In 587 BC, in the midst of a war between Egypt and Babylonia, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar invaded Palestine. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed most of Jerusalem, including Solomon's temple. He then took many of Jerusalem's population back to Babylon as slaves, and this became known as the Babylonian captivity. Just prior to the Babylonian captivity, the writer Jeremiah gave his warnings, and later Ezekiel also reprimanded the Jews, for bringing this on themselves once again from their neglect of the worship of the one true God. Also around this time was a prophet who wrote under the name Isaiah. Isaiah's greatest contribution was to offer a new image for the God Yahweh. Unlike the jealous, angry, bloodthirsty God of earlier Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah's Yahweh was the embodiment of love, And kindness. And his ultimate victory over evil in the world would be brought about by a Messiah, a Son of Man. In addition to saving the Hebrew people from their sins, Isaiah's Messiah was a strong political leader. The government would be upon his shoulders. He would be called wonderful, a mighty king, an everlasting father. And those lines, would become the libretto for Handel's Messiah many years later. In 539 BC, Cyrus, the king of Persia, conquered Babylon and so made Palestine part of the Persian Empire. This worked out well for the Jews because Cyrus freed the Babylonian Jews, restored their wealth, and allowed them to return to Jerusalem. There, these returned Jews supplanted the non-Jewish settlers who had arrived in Palestine, they rebuilt the temple, and they reestablished the priestly rule and the law of Moses. As in their previous return from captivity, the Hebrews had to hear the law read aloud. And in 458 BC, Ezra had the law of Moses read to the people, Only this time, it took two weeks, because the collection of books now included the entire five volumes of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Modern biblical scholars view the Torah as having four authors, or groups of authors. The first two are called J and E, for Jehovah and Elohim. Those names, J and E, are based upon the words that those writers used to describe God. So, for instance, J called God Yahweh. J was most likely from the southern kingdom of Judah and he was responsible for much of Genesis, Exodus, and Numbers. E, on the other hand, used Elohim for God instead. He was likely from the northern kingdom of Israel. He wrote the rest of Genesis, Exodus, and Numbers, and then J and E were probably integrated sometime soon after 722 BC, around the time that the Assyrian Empire overwhelmed Palestine. The third author is D. He represents the Levite priests who put together the book we now call Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Jewish Torah. It consists of three sermons or speeches delivered by Moses, recounting the law, thought to be the book of the covenant, as well as some supplementary material, including an account of Moses' death. It probably dates from not long before 622, when King Josiah discovered it. P refers to the Priestly Code. It covers the genealogies and the rituals in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, as well as Leviticus. It was probably written not long before King Josiah died, around 609 B.C., Some scholars believe that P may in fact have been the author, Jeremiah. And finally, R, not an author but a redactor. R combined J, E, and P into the first four books of the Torah and then added D, Deuteronomy. Some scholars believe that R may have been the prophet Ezra. In 322 BC, Ownership of Jerusalem changed hands again. This time, Alexander the Great took control of Palestine. The region surrendered without a fight. Alexander was supposedly an admirer of the Jews and their God. He introduced a long period of Greek rule and the accompanying Hellenization, which would affect Judaism greatly. For instance, the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, called the Septuagint, in about 200 BC. The prophets were added to a collection of scriptures also during this period, as well as as the books of Proverbs, Psalms, the Song of Solomon, Job, and Ecclesiastes. The development of a Hellenized Jewish community in Alexandria, Egypt, led to a split between those liberal Jews and the more conservative Jews of Palestine. Also, the Samaritans, who inhabited what was originally Israel, broke rank with the Jews of Judea, or Judah, keeping only the original Torah as their scripture. They maintained only the first five books of the Bible. The next hundred years or so were crucial ones for the Jews. When Antiochus Epiphanes became ruler of the Seleucid Empire in 175 BC, he was insensitive to the views of the religious Jews and treated the high priest as a political appointee and one from whom money could be made. Antiochus pillaged the temple. He attacked Jerusalem and led captive the women and children. Antiochus effectively banned traditional religious Jewish practice. In 167 BC, Jewish sacrifice was forbidden. Sabbaths and feasts were banned, and circumcision was outlawed. Altars to Greek gods were set up in the temple, and Antiochus even went so far as to have a pig, an unclean animal to the Jews, sacrificed on the temple altar. A rural Jewish priest, Matthias the Hasmonian sparked the revolt against the Seleucid Empire. He began by refusing to worship the Greek gods. And after Matthias's death about one year later in 166 BC, his son Judah Maccabee, Judas the Hammer, led an army of Jewish dissidents to victory over the Seleucid dynasty using some very crafty guerrilla warfare. After their victory, the Maccabees entered Jerusalem in triumph and ritually cleansed the temple, reestablishing traditional Jewish worship there and installing Jonathan Maccabee as the new high priest. The Jewish festival of Hanukkah celebrates the rededication of the temple following Judah Maccabee's victory over the Seleucids. According to rabbinic tradition, the victorious Maccabees could only find a small jug of oil that had remained uncontaminated by virtue of a seal. And although this jug contained only enough oil to sustain the menorah for a single day, the oil miraculously lasted for eight days, by which time further oil could be procured. Maccabean rule lasted until 63 B.C., when Pompey conquered the area and made Judea part of the Roman province of Syria. In 37 B.C., nationalistic Jews in league with Parthian invaders again revolted. The Romans had appointed Herod the Great as king of the Jews two years earlier. Herod the Great repelled these invaders and eliminated their Jewish supporters. Herod ruled in the area until about 4 BC, which may have been the year in which Jesus of Nazareth was born. Herod was described as a madman. Who murdered his own family and a great many rabbis? Herod the Great appears in the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 2, which describes an event known as the Massacre of the Innocents. According to this account, shortly after the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, Magi from the East visited Herod to, to inquire of the whereabouts of the one having been born king of the Jews because they had seen his star in the east and therefore wanted to pay him homage. Now, these magi were most likely Babylonian Jews, who had remained in Babylon following the exile. Herod, as king of the Jews, was alarmed at the prospect of a usurper. And so he assembled the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where this anointed one, the Messiah, or Christos, was to be born. When they answered in Bethlehem, Herod gave orders to kill all of the boys aged two and under in Bethlehem and its vicinity. Now this massacre, although not out of character for Herod, is not recorded in any other known source from the period. Perhaps since Bethlehem was a small village, the number of males under two would have not exceeded maybe 20, and that may account for the lack of other sources. But Herod the Great was best known for his colossal building projects, including the rebuilding of the Second Temple in Jerusalem, sometimes referred to as Herod's Temple. This rebuilt temple was still standing during the life of Jesus of Nazareth and is referred to in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, where Jesus prophesied that the temple would be destroyed. Herod's temple was, in fact, destroyed in 70 AD. And today, only the four retaining walls remain standing, including the Wailing Wall or Western Wall. These walls had created a flat platform called the Temple Mount, upon which the temple was then constructed. Today, a mosque, the Dome of the Rock, stands on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Over the time, the government of Palestine, mostly Roman-appointed Jews, would disintegrate into incompetence and corruption. Groups of zealots, or fanatics, arose who swore to kill all disloyal Jews. And, in fact, they killed quite a few, along with many Gentiles as well. The Gentiles of the area responded in kind. Until Emperor Vespasian sent his son Titus with Roman legionnaires to Palestine, and Titus offered the Jews a lenient settlement. The Zealots, however, turned them down, and so the legionnaires slaughtered them. By 70 AD, Titus ordered the temple destroyed and all of the Jews dispersed. This became known as the Diaspora. Millions of Jews spread throughout the Roman Empire, which already contained some 7 million Jews, roughly 7% of the empire's population. With the Diaspora, the Sadducees disappeared, and the Pharisees, by means of their teachers, rabbis, kept the flame alive by preaching the law in thousands of synagogues. Around 132 AD, there was another uprising by Jews in the Near East. The emperor Hadrian outlawed the teaching of the law and destroyed most of Judea. Many Jews then went to Babylon, where they were fairly well-treated and did quite well. In around 500 AD, they completed the Babylonian Talmud, a collection of commentaries on and expansions of the law. Within the Roman Empire, many Jews were granted citizenship, just like everyone else, in 212 AD. They were, however, disliked by other Roman citizens. They insisted on dressing differently, celebrating different holidays, honoring a different God, eating different foods, observing different rituals. And even more annoying was their exclusivity, their firm conviction that they were better than everyone else, and they disdained everyone else's gods. The increasing popularity of one Jewish Messianic sect, Christianity, only made things worse. And in 417 AD, Constantine, the first Christian Roman Emperor, lowered the Jews' status to that of secondary citizens in the Empire, and they remained in that precarious position for the next 1400 years.